retreat in Del Mar. I th- yes. Um, doing a church retreat, so he's teaching. So be praying for him as he comes home later on this afternoon. Um, so you guys are stuck with me. Sorry about that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, many of you, um, just to introduce myself, many of you may just know me as like the quote-unquote youth guy, and uh, we know he's around here somewhere. We never get to see him that much. We may see him running around with junior high and high school kids, um, but little do you know, I'm actually here, so it's good. Um, but I wanted to give you guys a little bit of taste about my life, a little background. I can't give it all this morning, um, but I encourage you to continue to ask me questions and get to know me this as we are hanging out at RBC. But a little bit about my testimony. When I became a believer in high school, um, it was my junior year of high school. Actually, the summer right before my junior year, um, I I, I went to church on and off, kind of going in and out, seeing what's going on. My friend was having a great time at church, so I'm like, hey, he's having a good time. Let's go check it out, see what's going on. Um, I go into this huge gym at our church, 180 high school students, and I walk in knowing one person. And uh, I'm like, okay, whew, let's see what we got going here. Um, let's see what's going to happen. And, and I walk in, and, and I start going to church, start attending th- things, start meeting people, doing a video scavenger hunt type of things as we did last night here in this room last night. Um, with high school and junior high. I did all the things, went to Bible study on Wednesday nights, and, and one Wednesday night in particular, I remember my, my youth pastor, his name was Rob, and uh, Rob was, was giving the gospel message, and, and it really, for some reason, struck a chord in my heart that night, and uh, I started thinking to myself, have I, even though I've been coming to church for so long, have I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior? Because I've come to church, I know Rob was telling me that night, that does not save me, going to church. And because he said that, I said, well, I've been going to church. And then he said, you know what? But a, a faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior saves you. I'm thinking, well, I don't think I've done that. And as I was driving home with my friend Rodney at the time, one of my best friends back in high school, I come home, and, and maybe it could, could have been a Wednesday. I think it might have been. He ended up spending the night at my house for some odd reason that night. And, uh, and, and I, we were in my room, and, and I said, Rodney, I don't know if, if I'm a believer. If I died tonight, if I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I, if I would. And he's like, perks up. What? <laughs> really? I said, you know, can we just drive back to church and I can pray on the, you know, in the church pews and then God will hear me there, right? And uh, he's all, guess what? We can totally pray in your room right now, kneeling on your bunk bed, because I shared a room with my brother, and, and we can pray to ask Jesus in your heart now. And I said, no way. We can do that now? And he said, yes. And, and that's what we did that night. And I remember that night so vividly and the prayer that we prayed to say, Lord, come on in, change my heart from the inside out, change my life, and, and I just want to follow you. And, and I haven't really looked back since then to say, Lord, continue to grow me. And, and, and then you feel this confirmation to just get in the ministry and be a pastor and, and work with youth. And there's nowhere else I'd rather be than working with youth. Um, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. 
and so we're here. And, and I remember going back, let me continue my story. I remember going back to high school that fall, and I was on the soccer team. And uh, I remember going back and seeing the changes that God was doing in my life. And they weren't the best changes, at least that I saw on the outside. I started losing friends at school because guess what? I didn't cuss every other word anymore. I started losing friends because I didn't joke around about the same things that they wanted to joke around with anymore. They started, I, I just noticed they were putting people there down and feeling good about themselves, and I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. So a lot of guys on my soccer team ended, ended up becoming friends that I didn't really see that much anymore. I remember going throughout the halls, and, and, and you may think this is nerdy of me. I had a backpack on with a couple patches that said, God is love, and another one just proclaiming Jesus' Jesus's love for others. And I remember going up and down the halls, and after a while of wearing that backpack and people knowing I'm a believer and carrying my Bible in my backpack, people going, where's God's love now? Mocking me up and down the stairs of my campus at school. Mocking me for my faith. And feeling, Lord, what is this new life I've come into <laughs> where people are mocking me for my belief in you? Lord, what is this life all about? And I remember just praying to God that even that fall, just going, okay, Lord, I've lost, some, I've lost some friends that were close to me on the soccer team. I'm standing up for you at school, and what do I get? I get made fun of. Lord, it's tough. And I remember coming to my room, that same room that I prayed to receive Jesus Christ in, and, and I'm going, Lord, I, I need some friends. I need friends that love you. I need people at my school that love you, and I need to be connected to your body. And, and guess what? He provided those for me. He provides. And I love that. And so that comes into our story and today. Um, I want to catch you guys up on some background, where we're going to be. And we can change this, too. Sorry. There we go. Background, where we're going to be this morning. Um, we're going to be in Acts 5. Um, and just to give you some background here before we before we get there You don't even have to turn there because I know you'll start reading it before I get before I start reading it. So Jesus has been crucified Died rose again He has come back and before he does he before he goes back to the place of honor at the right hand of his father He, he promises a comforter. He promises a helper. He promises us a counselor. Who is that? Holy Spirit, right? He promises us the Holy Spirit. And, and I can't, God's been bringing it to my heart this past week, and I've been thanking the Lord and praising Him for this Holy Spirit. Because without Him, we are nothing. And uh, hey, before we go on, let me, just, let me just give you a quick reminder. Pastor Matt always reminds us as we're reading God's Word that what? All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And that's what we're doing this morning. Uh, we want to be equipped to walk out of this room and say, Lord, continue to grow me in my relationship with you. Keep my eyes open for what you're doing in my life and what the Holy Spirit's doing. Amen? Thanks, Stan. Acts 1.8. I love Stan. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, 
and even the remotest part of the earth, Acts 1.8. Jesus is speaking here. And so we're giving you some background here up to Acts 5. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. It's a promise that he will give us what? Power, and he will give us boldness for being a witness for him in our daily lives. You guys understand that's a promise? It's not if I be good or do this or that, and, and then it's like, oh, wow, now I'm going to get the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises and says, I have sent you a counselor, a healer, uh, a comforter to come and work in your life. You don't have to live this life on your own. Even though I'm leaving to the place of glory with my Father, I'll be coming back for you. But guess what? The Holy Spirit's coming. And you get to, He gets to live through you. And He gets to live life with you. And you get to rely on His power. Is that amazing? So Jesus promises this. Oh, and the day of Pentecost came, and everyone who believed in Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. People were speaking in tongues. Miraculous signs were happening here in Acts. The church was, was united as a body of believers. They were sharing things with one another, left and right. They would, they would sell their home and use that money for the better of the body. There was just this amazing community fellowship going on with believers in the early church of Acts. And why were these amazing things happening? Why? Why were these amazing things happening? Jesus had risen, and he said in Acts 1.8, even though I leave, the Holy Spirit is coming. I, I want you guys to have this kind of lens on this morning to say everything that happens in Acts here is because of the Holy Spirit. Everything that happens here at RBC, the things that we do as we're, we're being used by God is because the Holy Spirit is working. It's not for any of us to say, hey, guess what? I'm doing this. It's for us to say, you know what, Lord? I can do nothing without you and your Holy Spirit. And because of that, I'm going to give you more glory, honor, and praise because it's not me working. It's all about you. Amen? I'm so pumped on that. Holy Spirit is awesome. So we read on here, just miracles were happening all over the place. The power of the Spirit was evident among the believers. And from this day, the apostles went forth, and they are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere. They healed many people, and thousands, thousands, literally thousands, were being added to their number daily. Those who were believing in Jesus Christ as their Savior were being added daily. Isn't that crazy? Thousands, can you guys imagine that? Thousands daily. And God was doing some huge things here with the church. And, and here's what I have a question just to think about. Do you think the religious leaders liked what they were seeing? They crucified Jesus. They thought they were through with him. And they say, now this guy is still more popular than ever? What is going on here? We thought we were rid of this Jesus character by crucifying him on the cross. Now we hear that he's risen again. We hear that he is alive and well, and that these apostles have more power and more boldness to preach the name of Jesus. Did we take a step back? <laughs> you know, the religious leaders are like, how come Jesus is even being talked about more these days? I thought death would have just, okay, he would have been fizzled out. But no, we see Jesus' name was even more powerful 
and preached more boldly during this time. And why was that? Because of the Holy Spirit. Pretty awesome. And some crazy things were happening during this time. And I want to share with you guys some of these things. Let's turn to Acts, Acts 5. 5.12. We've got a lot to go through this morning, but we're going to have fun doing it. Acts 5.12. As you guys are turning there, I want you to be thinking of a couple questions this morning. What is radical obedience? It says it on your little bulletin that you got this morning. Sorry, there's no handout with fill-ins. Apologize for that. Um, what is radical obedience? What does it mean to obey God at all costs? Are we doing it as a church? Are you doing it personally? And what does it look like? What does it look like to be radically obedient? In my life, when I was in junior, in, when I was a junior in high school, during that time of my life, it meant bringing the Bible, putting patches on my backpack, and talking to others about Jesus Christ, and, and being mocked for that faith, but also seeing people in my school come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's what it meant for me back then. It means something different for me now. God's calling me to this radical obedience here at RBC to lead junior high and high schoolers in their relationship with God and go deeper and see them bring friends and have them receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I pray for that daily. So 512. We'll read on here. At the hand, let me, we got problems, we got issues. We're okay, cool. So read with me here. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord. They were all united in Solomon's portico, a portion of the temple area. But none of the rest dared to associate with them, the apostles. However, the people held them in high esteem, probably for just what happened here. Ananias and Sapphira, dead on the spot. Why? Because they lied to the apostles, and there was, there was deceit in their hearts. And they not only lied to the apostles, but what's, what was more important about that is they lied to God. They were being fake Christians. They said, we gave all of our house, all the money of our house, but inside they know that they kept half of it for themselves. And God said, you know what? We won't tolerate that here. You have not only lied to these men, but you've lied to me more especially. Boom. Crazy. They're dead. Gone. These, these, of course these people were scared of the apostles and what they were doing. Right? Dude, if I ever lie, I may just be cast down like that. Out with my family and we're gone. Sure they were afraid, but they held them in high esteem. And we read on. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number, to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on, on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted, with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Crazy, crazy, awesome, God-glorifying times. Okay. Howie, stand up real quick. And Howie didn't know he's going to do this. The, we, we got some light here. We got some shadow. Can you imagine people going out there and going, okay, you can walk real quick, and there's a shadow, and they're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. 
I know exactly where Peter's shadow is going to be, and all I want to do, all I want to do is be in that shadow, because if I'm in that shadow, that means I'm healed. Do you guys see how awesome that is? God made it possible that even if people were in Peter's shadow, they were healed. Those that were afflicted with evil spirits were cast out, and they experienced freedom from bondage. Thanks, Hallie. You're a good man. And uh, so crazy things were happening. The apostles were relying on the Holy Spirit's power in their lives. The apostles were not saying, you know what? My shadow is pretty powerful. So if you just stand in my shadow, guess what? I'll, I'll do this cool mind trick power and you'll be healed. No way. God chose to use Peter in this way that even people who went in, the sh in his shadow... People that were desperate to say, man, I, I know I, I need the Lord so bad, and I know that these apostles have been healing people. Maybe they're, maybe they're healing others, and while they're healing others, the shadow is cast on the ground. They were so desperate that they even thought that their shadow would heal them, and it did. Isn't that crazy? I'm going to say that a lot this morning, because a lot of crazy things are happening in this, in this passage. And, and you know what the, as, as we read on in Acts 19, are we good here? Good. I love this. Oh, beauty. Yes. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And we read this later on. So that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them and evil spirits, spirits went out. So later on in Acts, we read on. I wanted to show you guys another account of this. Aprons and handkerchiefs. Anyone wearing a handkerchief this morning? You take that out, and, and Paul would say, hey, go take this to that guy at his house. This will heal him. What? No way. What's going on? I don't know why Paul was wearing an apron, but I don't think it's maybe the ones that we were thinking about in the kitchen. Go kiss the cook. I don't know if it's that kind of apron or not, but whatever apron it was, it was powerful to heal people also. What is going on here? The Holy Spirit's working. The Holy Spirit is changing people's lives. And these apostles are so excited that it's the Holy Spirit working and not themselves. So we read on in verse 17. But the high priest rose up along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. Or maybe in some of your versions it says, or filled with in indignation. Meaning that they were, man, envy. Je we talked about it earlier. Jesus is, his name is still being preached. A man that we saw die on the cross. And now we're hearing he's risen again. Why? And, and we saw, we, you, you guys, if you have read the Gospels, you see it a lot. Pharisees, these, these men, these people, these religious leaders were jealous and envious a lot. Because why? They loved having power. They loved having their own power. They were not willing to say the Lord Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. They were not willing to bow down and say, Lord, you are our Lord. We worship you. Because why? They were clenching on to this life saying, hey, we want to have this power. 
And it's totally different from what these apostles experienced. These apostles were like, no way. I will relinquish my power so that the Holy Spirit's power can be moved in me. Because guess what? This life is not about us, is it? It's not about us. It's all about God and seeing him glorified. In verse 18, they, lay, they laid hands on the apostles and put them in the public jail. And if you guys are thinking, I was thinking about laid hands, sometimes we lay hands on people and we go, oh, you know, we pray for them. Maybe they laid hands on the apostles and said, hey, will you please come with me to, to the jail? And uh, we want to take you and just put you in jail. You want to come with us? Do you think they did something like that? No way. Laid hands. They took them by force. They grabbed them by the shoulders and just ripped them out right where they were teaching in the temple. Or maybe they were teaching house by house, but they ripped them out. And they threw them in a jail, a public jail. Why? So that the people that they were teaching could see the punishment for, for what these religious leaders wanted to do to the, to the apostles. They wanted to show them publicly, this is what's going to happen if you continue to preach the name of Jesus Christ. And did the apostles stop preaching? No. And, and an awesome thing happens here next. Read with me, verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison, and taking them out, he said, Go, stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life with a capital L. This life of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. So here's the crazy, crazy thing. So during the night, an angel of the Lord comes down, frees these men from the public jail, and also gives them a message. And what does the angel say in verse 20? Maybe you can do a little congregation paraphrase for me. What, is the, what does the angel say to these men in verse 20? Continue to preach. Guess what? I freed you. I'm an angel of the Lord coming down to free you from this jail. I'm not going to leave you there. Continue to preach. They, they receive encouragement in their journey. They receive encouragement to say, you know what? What you're doing is great. Continue to preach Jesus Christ to these people. They need to hear do it. And so they continue to do it. And they return back to the temple. They return back to going from house to house. And they continue to teach at daybreak. Now, if you were in their shoes, what would the thought be going on in your mind, maybe? Mere humans? Yeah, what am I doing going back to town? I need to get out of here, maybe to a safer place where I'm not going to be thrown in jail so that I can preach Christ over in this town over here that I heard they teach, they, they treat Christians pretty good, <laughs> you know. But no, they go back into the most hostile environment, back to where they were, to the temple, and they say, hey, we have a message from the Lord to continue to preach his name, and we will answer the call and say, yes, we will do that. I don't know. I started thinking about it. I don't know if I'd be quick to return back to the place where I've laid hands on and, uh, and get thrown back into jail. I don't know if I'd do that, but it's kind of crazy. Verse 21. 
you guys see real quick, you guys see the apostles' radical obedience right there? You guys see that? I, mean, I need you to see that. They were, they were continued to be obedient to God and said, you know what, Lord? We, we see your calling on our life. We, we heard it verbally. Uh, we're we're going to continue to follow your call and be radically obedient no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost, we're going to continue to do what you call us to do. And, and it makes me think, Lord, I don't know what you're calling us to do here at Rancho Baptist Church. Um, that we have our five things that we're praying for. Um, I don't know where God has you with, with work. I don't know where God has you with friends. Um, but we need to be preaching his word. W even if it means sacrificing some friendships. Because you're too scared to let people know about Jesus Christ in a certain friendship. And you're like, Shane, but you don't understand. If I ever tell this person about who Jesus Christ is, they may never talk to me ever again. Well, let me put it this way. If that friend never hears about Jesus Christ and God is calling you to tell them about him, they may never hear the gospel message and never have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Weigh the options here, you know? It's kind of crazy. I think about that a lot. So we read on, verse 21. Now when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the senate of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought, for who the apostles to be brought back before them. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison, and they reported back, saying, We found them, the prison house, locked up quite securely, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we had opened up, we found no one inside. That's how guards sound, because they're a little dumb in the head. They're just pawns. They're just pawns for these captains, guards. That's how guards sounded those days, exactly like that. <laughs> and now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. Greatly perplexed, going, I don't, I don't know if they were greatly perplexed to go, how did they get out? Maybe a little bit. You know, I started thinking about that this week. They were greatly perplexed about what? They were greatly perplexed to say, God's doing something. We're afraid of what God's doing because he's using these men to please him and show, give him glory. So they were per perplexed a little bit. They were kind of confused going, wait a minute, how did you get out of jail? We had guards, you had gates, you had, you know, what's going on here? But I think they were more perplexed to say, whoa, what, are, what, are, what is God doing here? These men preaching Jesus Christ. Huh. What's going on? And they were perplexed about them as to what would come of this. And the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were greatly perplexed, huh? I thought we, I thought we totally locked that gate last night. <laughs> you know? I thought we had the best locks on that thing known to man. Call the locksmith. He's fired. You know? Guards, the ones that were waiting outside the gate the whole time during the night and didn't know what was going on, fired, you're fired, you know? Give them a little bit of the, and, uh, and they were greatly perplexed to think, man, what is going on? They've heard the name of Jesus Christ, I'm sure, and they're thinking, we're witnessing something amazing here. Let's continue to see what's going on. And now while this is all happening, a man comes and reports that the men they had put in prison are now standing in the temple 
and teaching the people. They're standing up in the temple again and saying, guess what? The greatest thing in this life is to have a life surrendered to Jesus Christ. Come, receive this life that we're talking about. Come and dedicate your life to Jesus Christ. And people are coming to do that once more. In verse 25 and 26, But someone came and reported them to them, The men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching people. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. Isn't it crazy that the leaders were even fearful of the people? You know something crazy was going on. The leaders, thinking they had all this power, come to seize the apostles again, and they were afraid of the people. These, one thing we have to see this morning is that these religious leaders were more about pleasing man than pleasing God. These religious leaders were, were more concerned about obeying man or, or, or going, hey, are you guys okay? Are you doing good? Come follow us. And, you know, they were more about receiving their own glory than what the apostles were doing were obeying God and wanting God to receive the glory. You guys see that? big difference here between these religious leaders of this time and what's going on here. And we read in, I just want to show you guys this verse in 1 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 4. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. And that's what we want to be as believers. We want to be living our life pleasing man, pleasing God. How about that? Ten times better. Just making sure you're awake. Pleasing God, not man. Because it's God who what? God examines our heart. No matter what we show on the outside, God knows what's really going on in the heart, doesn't he? And it's God who we should aim to please in life. It's God who we should be radically obedient to. To say, yeah, you know what, I have my own plans, but God, what are your plans for me? And whatever those plans are, Lord, you know what? I'm going to obey and follow you, and I'm going to follow through with those plans. And I don't know where God has you guys here this morning, personal plans, maybe in your, in your family life, with your, your own person, here at church, Anywhere else in life, I don't know the plans that you guys have, but have you ever asked, Lord, do my plans match up with yours? Lord, are, are my plans your plans? Is my will for my life your will for my life? Because if it isn't, Lord, would you come in and radically just shake my life and turn it upside down and give it a good shake and allow me to be radically obedient to you? Allow me to say, you know what, Lord, I will obey at any cost. Are we there? So verse 27, we read on. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council, and the high priest questioned, questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They were pretty proud men back then. 
But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. You guys see that? We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. These apostles were actually eyewitnesses of these things. We saw him die on that cross. We saw him die. He has risen, and he has even revealed himself to us. We are witnesses of these things. And guess what? We must obey him, because that is our call on life. We cannot not do it. We cannot not do it. So Peter and John were brought before the council once more. This is just my little notes here, not in your Bible. Um, for questioning. And the high priest questions them again. And they still do not get it that Jesus is a Messiah sent from God, do they? They still do not get it. They still think Jesus was just a prophet, maybe just merely a man. They still don't get it that Jesus was a son of God, chosen one to come and be our Savior, our Messiah. They still don't get it. Oh, so in verse 29, these guys are stupid. Verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. And I'm going to say that one more time. They had to obey God rather than men, and they chose to. And as Christ followers, do we desperately desire to obey God rather than man? And that's just a question you guys can answer in your heart this morning. Do we desperately desire to obey God rather than man? And here's another question. Or does pleasing man and fitting in with the world get in our way? You're saying, Shane, it's so tough to obey God, and it's so easy to fit in. I want to tell you guys that this morning. It is so easy to fit in with the crowd and not to stand out for Jesus Christ in this world. The road to eternal death, hell, is wide. It's a, it's a wide road. Many follow it. Many, many will follow that. Because why? It's easy. You get to fit in with the world, and you don't have to stand up for anything, and you get to do whatever you want to do. Sin. A life of, of sin. Totally disobedient to God. The road that leads to Jesus Christ, to God, is, is narrow. Few will find it. Those who want to live a radically obedient life will be on that narrow road. You guys, will, you guys will find that narrow road. And guess what? You won't only find it, you'll want to stay on that narrow road. Because you've tasted, you tasted what this life with Jesus Christ is like. And you're like, I don't want to ever leave that. Because it's so good. Even though it's tough. God never promised that this life would be easy, did he? Or else our lives would be easy. God promised you will suffer with me. You will be condemned just as I was. You will be hated. But guess what? When people hate you, remember that they hated me first. And you share your life with me. They're hating me. So we read on. We need to finish up here. We're going good, and I love it. 
And there's this big thing that needs to happen here that I feel like that the apostles had a good grasp on. And we read in Ephesians 5.18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's what we're called to be, filled with the Spirit. And, and there's one thing as we read on that I want you guys to be thinking about. To be filled with something, something else needs to happen before we get filled. What does that need to be? We need to be emptied. Emptied of what? What do we need to be emptied of? Self, what else? Sin, what else? Anything that's not the Spirit? The world? We need to be empty. We need to be empty. And I feel like so many times as believers, we come to God and say, Lord, I want to be filled with your Spirit. And, and God's like, well, empty yourself first, and then I'll have the Holy Spirit fill you, and, and you'll receive power and boldness to be my witness. But we need to empty ourselves. We need to seek a life of humility and humbleness so we can be filled up with Christ and the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I just want to be used by you. And this is what the apostles did. So read on with me. Verse 33. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. So quick. These, we just want to kill them. Don't you guys see the first reaction of these religious leaders? They just want to kill the person that's more popular than them. They want to kill the person that's receiving all the glory. They want to kill the person that's, man, just stealing their, stealing their show, you know? They're so quick to kill. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Thedas rose up claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. Verse 37. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. If this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. And here's the cool part. But, verse 39, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. Tell me we don't have a powerful Savior. Tell me we do not have an almighty God who wants to use us boldly in this life. I see no one can tell me that, because He is almighty and He is powerful. And his plan cannot be overthrown. So as his people, we need to be filled with this spirit. Verse 40, they took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they released them. They were flogged and beaten over and over. And once again, these rulers think they can say, hey, guess what? As you're leaving, after you're being flogged, don't go out and speak the name of Jesus ever again. And what happens here? We need to wrap up. What, what would your thoughts be? Now you've been thrown into jail. You've been flogged and beaten for your faith. Where would you go? Now I need to book it out of town. And I need to go to a city that, that I can start preaching Jesus 
in that city. But what do these apostles do? They go back to the temple to preach and teach to these people the same temple, possibly, that they were flogged in. Hello. <laughs> McFly, you know? Hello. Are you insane and crazy? Yes, we are. Uh-huh. And uh, no, we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. We will continue to pursue Jesus Christ and the plan, and we will be radically obedient to his call on my life. Let's just finish up here. Verse 41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council. I'm sure they were feeling great after being flogged. Rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Considered rejoicing. Consider it considered worthy. I'm so excited that I was able to suffer for Christ. I was so pumped that I was flogged today. And, and I rejoiced in that. I think they had a. I think they had an awesome perspective to say, "Lord, this life is all about you. It's not about me." And every day in the temple, and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Amen. So here's my question today: What are some of those things we need to be emptied of? And are you willing to empty yourself of selfishness? Are you, are, you willing to able, are you willing to empty yourself of pride? Are you willing to empty yourself to say, you know what, Lord? This life is not all about me, and you know what? I'd rather have you work through me than me work through me. <laughs> because your Holy Spirit is so much more powerful than the power I think I have in life doing things by myself. And I have this thing from D.L. Moody, and I want to read this. It says, I, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and self-seeking and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Ghost will come and fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and self-seeking and pleasure and the world, if we are filled with these things, there is no room for the Spirit of God. No room. I believe many a man is praying to God to fill him when he is full already with something else. Before we pray that God will fill us, I believe we ought to pray him to empty us first. When one is filled, flooded with the Holy Spirit, one must exclaim, as did Moody and Finney, Lord, stay thy hand. I can endure no more and live then are we empowered to serve the Lord. And this isn't a, a thing that's just going to happen overnight, I realize that. But as, as people that follow Jesus Christ and want to be radically obedient to Him, we need to empty ourselves of ourselves. You're not going to do this by spending time watching TV. Don't think you're like, Shane, but I prayed that the Holy Spirit would come, and, but I really haven't spent time with God this week. Don't think that the Holy Spirit will fill you up if you're just spending time watching TV, if you're spending time on the internet. If, if you're not making time for God, do not expect to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Plain and simple. Don't expect to be filled up with the Holy Spirit if you're out gardening, if you're out shopping, and if you're not emptying yourself of your life. Do not expect to be filled. God promises us the Holy Spirit, and He's, he's using us, and He's working through us, 
but how bad do you want to be radically obedient to your, to your God? We're going to spend some time worshiping again this morning as a response. Maybe some of you guys aren't used to worshiping near the end. You're so used to saying, hey, see ya, bye. We're going to spend some time worshiping this morning out of a, out of a response to say, Lord, I want to come before you and empty myself. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up as uh, we just spend some time in worship. And man, will you guys do business with God in your hearts this morning? Will you say, Lord, here, here, here's me. Feeble me. <laughs> I, I, lay, I lay myself down at your cross, and, and I want to empty myself. And will you come and fill me up this morning? Will you come and do some radical things through me just, just tomorrow, just today? And I want to be used by you, Lord. So pray with me. Father, we love you so much. I can't tell you, Lord, how, how desperate I am just to be obedient to you and to please you rather than man. Lord, as we worship you, may our hearts just be overflowed with the love that we have for you. May, we, may you just flood this room with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would encourage us, correct us, teach us, Lord, what it means to be a follower of you and to grow deeper and be obedient to your call in our lives. We love you. Lord, thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.